happened during the retrieval arc. You don't know who we had on. You don't know what episodes we did. Um, I will tell you, we had we had one new guest, um, and obviously you're never going to be able to guess who the new guest is because uh, you haven't maybe heard me mention them uh, like in passing. But but in terms of the three guests who I had, I chose to have on during the Devon retrieval arcs, I want to know if you can guess what three people I got on. I'm gonna guess memory because access. I'm gonna guess your British friend because they were great. And I'm gonna guess Lilith because they were also great. Do you want me to tell you how accurate you were? Yes. Okay, you got one of the three, which could be worse. Yeah, I, I could I could have missed all of them. You could have missed all of them. No, Lilith came back on and did uh, the worst episode of this podcast. <laughs> worse than Jack and Dexter? I honestly think that Lilith is giving is giving Bob a run for his money here. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to listening to. That's oh man, I, I can't imagine being more excited for the Devon Retrieval arc. So hey everyone, <laughs> I'm back, big elephant in the room. So not to get into all of my personal stuff, but uh, hey audience, you ever um you ever gotten dumped? And then you had to live in an empty box and eat from the same jar of peanut butter for a week? That's where I've been. <laughs> what am I back to? Personally, Amber, I would personally I have never been dumped, and if I were dumped, I would certainly not need a retrieval arc about it. <laughs> oh, you talked about this podcast being like a living document, a live journal, and we both went through <laughs> Retrieval arcs for the same reason and did the same thing. It's like we a pretty both... good reason to need to have a retrieval arc, to be honest with you. <laughs> Does that mean season three, we both are gone oh, and we, <laughs> we just get our friends to record it for us? <laughs> we, get... we do an episode and it's like Reggie and Lilith. <laughs> They're like, we don't know each other, but... We know what the show is, so... Hey, Dalton and Dylan, friends of the show, do you want to do an episode of our show for us in season three? Devin, what are you back to? What is the show? Uh, this show is original podcast Do Not Steal, a podcast where in every week, Amber, Autumn, and I talk about a specific property at length and create an original character within that space. And today, we're doing the Proto-Men. This is not a long-awaited episode in the sense of, like, anybody in the audience has been long-awaiting it, but I think this is a long-awaited episode in terms of, like, Devin and I's friendship. Um, I think that, like, like there was no way once we came up with the premise of this podcast that we were not going to end up doing a Proto-Men episode at some point. For those unawares, um, the Proto-Men are a... The uh, greatest band of all <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, so they're... Have we ever have we ever covered a band on this show before? We obviously do a lot of like movies, TV shows, um, video games, comics, some folklore sometimes. Occasionally, just like little cultural objects, like gaming YouTubers or insects or serial mascots. But I don't actually know if we've ever done like a band or like a musical artist. We've done a musical in Ruddy Gore, but that's like not a property either of us are familiar with. So this is right. the most musical we've ever done, and it's with a band. <laughs> so, 
a gem and the hologram. We're prepping. This, this is just prep. This it's is just true. pregame for the gem and the holograms episode. <laughs> um, the Proto Men are. They're a band where, at this point, half of their discography is now, like, cover albums, which is bullshit. Um, but the, the half that we care about take the form of, like, collectively, they are an as-yet-unfinished rock opera. Um, based on the mega, like, set in, like, a dystopian 80s city. And if, I, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what does. I honestly, I've never played a Mega Man game. I've never seen a Mega Man. I don't know anything about Mega Man. All I know is the Proto Men. Like, the, this is my <laughs> access point to the Mega Man franchise, is the Proto Men. So this is, like, what I'm... Someday, we'll have, like, somebody on for a Mega Man episode, and I will have no idea what anyone is talking about. Um, and they'll be like, but didn't you have that whole Proto Men episode? And I'll be like, yeah, that's, that's a different thing. Um. <laughs> that's all I know about the Mega Mans. So... This really has so much history between us, so I'll just start by saying I think if you weren't sold on they are like a triumphant 80s power ballad band who do like hard synth grunge. Wait a second, style. wait a second, what the fuck do yeah, you mean on. triumphant? It's a tragedy. Every single song is like horrible and heart wrenching. Yeah, it's like a but... grand dramatic operatic like tale of people betraying each other and failing accurate yes but i do care about their cover albums <laughs> and their cover albums absolutely rip ass and they're 100 playing into the part of the band that is triumphant on occasion but if that doesn't sell you i think their thesis statement as a band which i i know both of them because i am a super fan they are my favorite band of all time if i have not made that clear or if it will it will become very obvious as we get into this but one of the two points they talk about their origins are they said we looked around the music landscape and we said there weren't enough grown men painting their faces to look like robots and coming on stage with silly names. And that's the fuck up. <laughs> that's fucking right. <laughs> and they were fucking that's fucking right. right. <laughs> they were so fucking right. I've seen them twice. I saw them once with Amber. I saw them once with an ex. Both time I got them to sign things. I just, I, like, I just moved and I noticed I had two signed Proto-Men posters. I've got like, um, Vince and Allison bought me a little Proto Man like plush pillow and it's signed by every member of the band and twerp because when I saw them the second time they were on tour with Tupperware Remix Party because they have like a the Proto Men show up on Together Through Time. And by the way, guys, since we're on the musical episode, check out Together Through Time by Tupperware Remix Party. That album is in incredible. But yeah, they're, just, they're my favorite band to the point where like I don't know where to start i guess we start with act one and act two right and actually devolve into like the story they what tell through the, the rock it, opera yeah, yeah well, actually so... so real quick before we get to that i do want to cover a little bit of like background context um which Devin, do you know about the 1984 film streets of fire is that the one with Green Goblin Man, Will <laughs> Defoe. Yeah, Willem Defoe is in it. Have you? Do you know what the poster for that movie looks like? No, I'm gonna guess it looks like the Proto Men's whole aesthetic. I, I you, get the feeling. Can you do me a favor and just right now, Google Streets of Fire poster? Yeah, let me do that. Let me let me Google Streets of Fire poster live on. Air. Do it live on air. I've Googled so many. Remember that time I got distracted looking at Logopedia? 
Yeah, I, I remember editing that part. And I, like, totally wasn't listening to the things you were saying. <laughs> anyway, while you're looking that up, I would like to announce that Devin's a big poo-poo head, and the show was so much better without him. I'm so glad he can't hear me right now. Because he's too busy focused on looking up his things. <laughs> that, that's... That's how Googling and then tabbing over to the image and waiting for your phone to load. That's how that works. So this is gonna be set this is gonna be our checkoffs bullshit for today because I'm waiting for my Google to load so we can just continue to talk and at some point it will load and I will react live on air to the streets of fire poster. That'll be funny. <laughs> I hope that's a good time for everybody. Um, so uh, the, the important thing that I'm bringing up here basically is that the entire, you're right, the entire proto-band aesthetic is based on Streets of Fire, which is this 1984 movie, like street gangs in a dystopian Chicago, basically, um, who like ride motorcycles and get girls and sing a lot of music. And the soundtrack is a fucking banger. I love the Streets of Fire soundtrack. And it's all like very like, very gritty, but also very neon, you know, it's very, like, one of the forebears of that kind of, like, 1980s, edgy, but with neon, kind of, like, neo-noir aesthetic. And the proto-men, like, looked at that and, like, stole it wholesale. Um, they were like, this is what we want to be doing in our music, um, but it's about Mega Man. And the, like, Streets of Fire is so much, like, a hearkening back to the 1950s. They do, like, the, we're gonna keep the fashion of the 80s, and we're gonna keep the music of the 80s, um, but we're going to have the, like, leather jackets of the 50s, and the motorcycles of the 50s, and the cars of the 50s. Um, and there's, like, some doo-wop stuff in there, and it's one of the best songs in the soundtrack. But, um, you know, the, the Proto-Men, they start work in 2003. That's when their, that's when their work starts. They kind of get to do the aesthetic throwback thing to the 80s while, like, throwing back the 80s accomplishes for them, like, both of the aesthetic goals that Streets of Fire had. It wanted to do the, like, throwback nostalgia thing to 30 years ago, but it also wanted to keep the aesthetics of the 80s. And the Proto-Men get to do a nostalgic throwback to 30 years ago, and that's the aesthetic of the 80s. Um, so it's like a, it's sort of a very natural timing for it. And so they release one album in 2004, and that's Act 1. And then they release um, a second prequel album in 2009, and that's Act 2. Um, and then they release a third Act 3 album. Uh, never. We're still waiting on it. They released a single last year. They're still around. They're still doing things. But we, we're still waiting on Act 3. It's never going to happen. Amber, I have never and will never push for this podcast being visual i hate it when podcasts go visual it loses something i i i i i wish there was a camera to record the face i made when the streets of fire poster loaded this I just, act two do you want to describe to the audience what you're looking at just, it's just this is just a cover for act two with, with this is, Oh, oh, it's like when I watched Clone High and I got every joke every abridged series was referencing. Holy shit. I... <laughs> so, so, so there's like a cool guy. It's all heavily shadows and the colors are blue and the background is this 
red dash and there are bits of yellow on the bottom and there's a cool guy holding a gun and there's a sick babe on his arm and this is this is uh, it's wow that's just the cover to act it's just the cover to act too okay do you want to go do you want to talk about i i got that out of my system now i just wanted to make you see that live on air you can feel free to go ahead and talk about the story Ooh, was that worth it? So there's so I haven't thought about why I love the band as much as I do in quite some time. So this is going to be an episode where when I come back to the editing floor, I'm like, oh, I could have done this better. But like the way in which they use vocal reflection to highlight a character parallel from act one to act two is genius. The stories within are gripping and sad and using Mega Man to tell a dystopian, like an Orwellian story through rock opera, it just fucking rules. Like the first act one is a tragedy wherein it's not a Greek tragedy. Where, well, no, it is a Greek tragedy because <laughs> it starts by being like, this is how things are going to play out. And then it ends exactly how they told you things were going to play out in the beginning. But it's about Mega Man wanting to avenge his brother, Proto-Man, and his dad, Dr. Light, says, you're not going to be able to do that. And the reason he can't avenge Proto-Man is because Proto-Man, spoilers, if you're a Mega Man fan at all, you know that Proto-Man doesn't die. This version of Proto-Man was, you know, Proto-Man's always the first one to come, um, except for in, like, the, I'm not I'm not going to get into this part, but Proto-Man's the Proto -Man first Proto-Man and Mega Man are, are robots, by the way. They're, yeah. they're robots. <laughs> I'm assuming you're familiar with more familiar with Mega Man than the Proto Man's Mega Man got to do it. But yes, Proto Man and Mega Man, they're robots. Proto Man is a robot created to defeat Dr. Wily, who is the evil dictator who has uh, plunged the world into subjugation. And when he tried to fight back, the people only watched. And when Proto Man fell, they did nothing. They slunk back in their holes. You've seen Lamis. The people did not rise. And so when Mega Man goes out on his quest to avenge his brother, his dad, Dr. Light, says, you can't do that. And the reason Mega Man can't do that is because Proto Man is not dead. He just realized that the people weren't going to do anything, so why would he fight for people who won't fight for him? And so the lyric is, uh, you see now, you came here to avenge your brother, you came here to save mankind, you cannot do both. Uh, I get goosebumps every time they sing that line, and I also got goosebumps God. right there when you said it out loud. <laughs> it's it's, it's, I, it. it's so good. Fuck it. Pause this podcast. Go listen to Act 1 and Act 2. They're so fucking awesome. I fucking... I can't listen to The Stand without getting goosebumps. Man or Machine is... Uh, this This episode is just going to be us going, God, it's so fucking good. Because it is. But my favorite bit of um, Sons of Fate is like... The reason I say it's triumphant is like Mega Man's first big... Uh, song like I will fit like the the line he they fucking like fucking shout out Raw Panther the third that man can hit fucking notes 
Uh, but when he says, I will finish what was started, the fight of Proto-Man, and he's just screaming vengeance into the heavens, and you take that triumphant chorus, and you re-sing it in Sons of Fate when Mega Man has to kill his brother Proto-Man, and it is a triumphant chorus being sung from the perspective of a broken character, and the way he is, like, shattering his vocal cords to get across the heartbreak and anguish Mega Man feels in this moment as the crowd cheers on Mega Man killing his brother. It's so fucking good. It's fucking grim. It's really fucking grim. Yeah, like, fuck, like, act one ends with Mega Man. Okay, so there's this thing they do to highlight the ways in which, like, Proto Man has, like, fallen to the machine part of him. He's, like, heavily synth. There's a big auto-tune. And Mega Man's final line in Act 1 is, like, then we are the dead, and, like, with the auto-tune fully in place. Because he, after killing his brother, has, like, agreed to his brother's worldview. Like, <laughs> this shit sucks. Humanity's not safe. I'm so, oh, it's, there's a reason <laughs> why, wouldn't they, why wouldn't they sing, oh, what the, what the fuck is the... It's an, uh, off of Act Two. It's not Unrest in the House of Light, but it's um, Doctor Wily's wife's big number. Uh, there will be light. <laughs> it's why whenever they start to sing that, they go, "This is the closest thing we've ever come to writing a love story." <laughs> I mean, to, to writing a love song. I love Act One. Like I have a great time when I listen to Act One. Act One has fucking nothing on Act Two. Act Two blows Act One out of the water. IMO. And it's like an insane decision. They decide their second album, it's like four years after the first one, five years maybe. Um, and they they make it one, like twice as long, two, like very, like way more polished because it's three for a time before the bombs fell. It's a prequel. It talks about Dr. Light who built Mega Man and Proto Man and Dr. Wily and their relationship from before everything went tits up. Mega Man and Proto Man are not in it because it is before their time. Another part, another like, the not thesis statement, but like uh, germination point for the band was they said, uh, we listened to everything our music professors taught us and we threw it out the window. We just wanted to make stuff that was loud and progressive. And so that first album, it's so like experimental and angry and heavy synths. And some of the lyrics are hard to understand. I would recommend having the lyrics out for some of those tracks, but like that that first album, there's su it's such a specific sound. I can't think of a lot of other things that sound like it. Uh, but yeah, that it's just the production is so much higher. Everything is so much clearer in Act Two. It's just, I fuck it. It's so good. The 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 supporting vocalists and fucking Night Queen, who's still a member of the band. Night Queen fucking rules. <laughs> Queen is amazing. We we stand the one female vocalist on the Proto Men. So fucking, I, I'm freaking she's out. She's so good. She's so good. She's so good. She's so insane. There should be good. more girls in there because the one that they have is so good. Uh, I fucking so like the the second no the first time I met them, uh, I noticed that Night Queen had a ring on, like a wedding ring, and so did the gambler, and I didn't know they were married at this point, and so when they were, like, live on stage, the gambler, like, started playing bass at his wife, and she, like, giggled and was like, stop it, stop performing, it was so fucking cute. <laughs> I, okay, before we, I'm gonna get off track with, like, just, uh, stories about times I saw the program, but the second time I did it, one of the funniest things was, like, 
I was so fucking there for the proto men. I was losing my fucking mind. And my partner at the time, Taylor, not that into the proto men, not their thing, really just kind of likes Phantom Racer and was mostly there for twerp. There was this other couple who was the opposite of us, <laughs> or the boyfriend, not into this shit at all. And uh, <laughs> the girlfriend, so into it. And at one point, the girlfriend just goes, God, if I could get on stage, I would leave you for any one of them. And the boyfriend just goes, ha ha, wait, what? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but I fucking got it. Because when Raw Panther the Third is like on his knees playing the guitar and, <laughs> and just like doused himself with water, I scram out loud, rock the house, you goddamn sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> I wanna, so we did we did see them live together at one point you and I it's it's like a really it's a big shame for me that I've only seen them once um because when you and I saw them I was really really deep into my eating one jar of peanut butter for an entire week alone in a dark room era um I was in a really bad like we walked home and I like didn't fucking talk at all the entire time because I was just like miserable and I had like I was in a very very bad way um, and so, like, I, like, sort of couldn't absorb as much of the show as I really would have liked to have been able to absorb. And, like, even through that state, just being in, like, truly one of the worst places of my entire life, um, I was still like, oh, these guys are rock gods. They're, <laughs> they're rock gods. They're the real deal. A bunch of fuckers named, like, the Commander and Night Queen and the Gambler and Raw Panther the Third, and their fucking, their fucking hype man Kilgore and his dumb cheap robot mask and jumpsuit should not be so fucking cool, but they get on stage and they play their instruments and they're so fucking cool. <laughs> the coolest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> you want to talk a little about the, the story for Act 2? So, the, uh, this, this is the thing I... I teased getting into but a, a thing to highlight how different their continuity of Mega Man is uh from just like baseline more happy-go-lucky sort of shonen Mega Man is the person you follow in like the second part of act two Joe that's a reference to Sniper Joe from the games and he's I'm just gonna say it for people who might be familiar with the games but not know it because you're this is gonna mean anything you Amber but Sniper Joe he's the green guy with one eye that goes back and forth and he's got a shield like Proto Man and he's got the Buster Cannon and the reason he's got the Proto Man shield is because Sniper Joe is based off of Proto Man in mainline Mega Man continuity. In the Proto Men, that totally, shoots... oh my god, that totally changes the way that I understand that whole show. Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> in in their continuity, Joe comes first, and Proto Man is based on Sniper Joe, and that's just a fun fact for everyone listening. Um, but yeah, Act Two. It's a prequel. It tells, like, the fall from grace of Dr. Light and the ascension of Dr. Wily to King Dictator and how this one kid, Joe, who just he latched on to that 80 sense of freedom and he just, oh, sometimes I just want to ride until the streets give out. Ooh. He <laughs> wants to burn, burn until, until there's nothing, nothing left to, nothing burn, left to about. burn about. God damn it, it's so good. <laughs> But this kid Joe, he's got he's got the eye of the tiger, he's got the fire. He's gonna fight 
he's he's gonna he's gonna lift the people because a hero is just a man who knows he's free and if you can inspire the rest of humanity we can all rise up but because it's a tragedy again joe fails joe dies eventually dr light's gonna try again with proto man spoilers like we told you in the beginning he fails and dies mega man is gonna fail and try again it's sad (laughs) they're sad albums but they're Please listen to them. They're my favorite band of all time. And, I, <laughs> and I've i tried my whole life to get people to listen. There's one woman and they kill her unceremoniously in the first half of Act 2. They do kill her unceremoniously. <laughs> Remember that Dr. Wiley song? Oh my god, the fucking press conference. The hounds. Ah, oh, you get the you're... swinging jazz villain song where he's presenting a press conference in which he's framing Dr. Light for the woman that he killed. It's so good. Oh, it's it's such a good song. God, I just I I'm not musically competent enough to explain why it's as good as it is and reciting lyrics at you is just going to end with me going and it's so good, guys, <laughs> because that's the power the proto men have on my heart and soul. I I I can't wait till they announce their next touring. I'm going to see them for a third time. I promised myself I'd wait until Act 3 dropped to see them again, but no, fuck it. I want to see them again so bad. I've I've been so jealous of all my friends seeing bands over this summer, and I I need to see the Proto-Men again. Do you want to start to think about a character, maybe? Okay, yeah. let's, Let's think about a character in this space. So we have high-key dramas wherein the hero tries and fails to make society better because the the people did not rise so there's stuff to play in there we could also make a vil- this is a place where like i do have mega man knowledge so like the master bots get a number in act one that's the one that ends with like guts man fire man wood man cut man and then they kind of get referenced in Mega Man's battle song, wherein he is just, like, running through all of the master bots. But, like, Dr. Wily builds other master bots who do a thing. Like, they're his enforcers. I imagine they operate as stormtroopers and or just cops in this setting. We could make a master bot. We could just make, like, a person who is not stirred to rise and examine what their life looks like. We could make... Axel is another member of like the Mega Man line because okay, I'm gonna do a little bit of Mega Man talk. Please. So there's Mega, no, please. there's yeah, there's standard Mega Man, uh, which takes place in the year like 20x. Then you get to 20xx in the future when you meet Mega Man X, who's like an upgraded model. He hangs around with his friend Zero, um, and then eventually Mega Man and X like that timeline keeps going, and they made a new. Mega Man bot. I, th- I think they're called Mavericks. I'm not as familiar with the Mega Man X continuity. Um, and they're like their new kid friend, Axel, who has like twin guns. And that continuity keeps going to stuff I'm even less familiar with. I'm more of like a NT Warrior and or Star Kid Mega Man because spoilers, there are a lot of Mega Men. There's Legends, which is the if you're a Mega Man fan, you already know all this, but, there, you know, there's Legends, there's NT Warrior, there's the normal continuity, which eventually becomes X, and there's, like, Star Force, and I think there's one other I'm probably forgetting. There's a lot of Mega Men, and there's, like, a lot of things to draw from. Did any of the things I said pick at you at all? So, I mean, I'm definitely more interested in seeing a 
uh, like a, like a character from Mega Man adapted into the Proto Men than I would be in just like picking a random person who didn't rise up and understanding their life. Um, I think that that's that's sort of close to some things that we've done on the show before about like looking at ordinary people and what makes them ordinary and interesting. But this is like a franchise in which there's a lot of opportunity to draw on established lore, and that's something I'm more interested. In. So it sounds like the the two the two the two like in canon sort of character points that you have brought up so far are either some of uh, Wiley's lieutenants, some of his other robots that he's built, or um, wh- whoever, whatever Axel is. Yeah, Axel. Um, I don't know an awful lot about him, because, like, there's a whole, like, racial allegory almost thing that happens in Mega Man X, wherein, like, robots are people, and robots who go against their programming are called mavericks, and they're, like, trying to get, like, civil rights or whatever the fuck, and then there are maverick hunters who are robots who hunt mavericks, and then they have to deal with, like, the ramifications of hunting down their own kind. I think Axel's thing is being, like, a reformed maverick hunter. I could be wrong. That could be Zero's thing. I'm not as familiar with Mega Man X as, like, anyone who would have <laughs> listened to a to a proto-men thing. But that, I think there's something tragic in being a maverick hunter, and that naturally lends itself to the proto-men. And if we, we want to go the other route where it's just, like, pick a master bot, there's a billion fucking master bots with a billion fucking stupid names and stupid jobs like several just in the category of like heat and cold based villains there's a fucking master bot i think nightman who's a vampire who was just like a robot for a spooky carnival ride that came to life one day (laughs) it was like i don't want to work here anymore (laughs) as excited as i would be about um, a picking up a, a, a spooky carnival robot or like an icing robot. I think that the the line that you sold me about Axel is just way too rich for me to turn down. Ha, like, like okay, I'm I'm just gonna talk out loud through a couple of little associations that I picked up while you were talking there that were interesting to me, and maybe at some point in the course of me talking they will coalesce into something. But you have like okay, so you have certain characters who are uh robots or possibly like citizens of dr wiley's who um uh like rebel against the system that they're in right we have like a sense that most people in the world do not rise up and fight but you have like this small subset of people who are like specifically designed by like by dr light by the way dr light being the one who originally invented the robots but a specific subset of people who are like like designed to do Dr. Wily's evil work who rebel against it. Um, and then you have like another group of those people who go in search of like go to try to kill the people who the like robots who are not doing their assigned work. And that makes me think a lot about the conflict between Proto Man and Mega Man, which is already like a robot themed conflict that exists in the story is you know, one robot hunting down another one to kill him, and that being, like, this very tragic storyline that happens. And so m- melding that with the the Light and Wily story a little bit more fluidly, to me, feels like a really great place to begin the story. I'm thinking maybe you have, like, like a robot who tries to hunt down Proto-Man, or a robot who um tried to 
or a robot who tries to hunt down Mega Man, or a robot who tried to hunt down Proto Man before Mega Man did, or a, I, I think, like, reformed Maverick Hunter is, it's, it's just such a loaded, rich place to start from. I can hear the vision in my head of Axel's, like, introductory song with the heavy synth, and the moment he decides to not pull the trigger, he just gets that, like, full natural vocals to let you know that he's not a soulless machine anymore and you just yeah i'm introducing axel into the (laughs) into the protoman continuity makes sense it it seems like as soon as we've said it like bizarre that bizarre that he's not there already right (laughs) It is a thing of, like, I don't know how much their knowledge of Mega Man would extend into the X series, and, like, Axel's, like, a PS2 guy, and, like, X starts in, like, PS1, and they're still pulling from just, like, SNES Mega Man, you know what I'm saying? They might not even know Axel exists. Then that makes it very, very unlikely that they will pull him into Act 3, so our <laughs> our creation won't even be decanonized. <laughs> Or proto men, feel free to completely rip us off. Oh please! If if anybody ever actually rips off the things that we say, I will be, I will be ecstatic. God, man, fucking! I people have noticed me from this podcast. People have complimented it. Nicholas Eames replied to a tweet that inferred to me that he had in fact listened and said that the character we made fit in his world. God, if the fucking proto-men liked a tweet I made at them, that would be so fucking cool. You would cream your shorts right away, and then they would I, listen to this podcast where I accuse you of creaming your shorts about the proto-men. And I, I, I would, I would, I would fully have creamed my, proto-men, you make me cream my shorts. I, the shorts <laughs> fully creamed. I'm, I'm sitting in cream as I record, thinking about the idea of you noticing my tweet. So at this point, this is like a very, very br- broad, rough character concept. I want to, I think, um, I think at this point I want to go to our list of, um, list of Chekhov's prompts from the beginning of the season. And I want to see which of these objects on the prompts list is like, what's the, the, the item that seems like it would be like, we're getting down to the point where there's like fewer and fewer of them. And we need to really start finding places to incorporate the difficult ones. Um, and this is a setting where I think we can incorporate like a difficult one. So like what's the most difficult prompt here that we could feasibly incorporate into this? Like I think I does Mega Man support time travel? Could we do a portable time machine? Um certainly it seems like we could not do twelve rules for life and it Okay, a toy train is sticking out to me. Because you need like the moment where an Axel recognizes the humanity of the Maverick he was going to hunt, and a lot of robots in Mega Man have obscenely stupid tasks. Like, they are made for a specific purpose, and that's kind of it. And so, like, a train robot, that like a, like a robot who makes the trains go, makes a lot of sense, and maybe in this like train robots freedom they found things outside of their pro- like enough outside of their programming to exist and maybe not even really rebel but just do more to life than run the trains but they still love trains and now they have like their own train model kit 
that they run on their own time on their own schedule for leisure. It's not a job anymore. I've I've recla- I've demonetized my hobby and I found the joy in it. And Axel noticing that is like his first step. Is that anything? This story that you've pitched, I think there is no way that we get away with that not being a love story. Uh, Axel wants to to fuck Train Man. Yeah. Did they we have just to. solve I ship it? <laughs> Any excuse to not incorporate that stinger. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining a story that's set in the window, like between acts two and act one, when like Proto Man, Proto Man has happened already. Um, uh, Light already built Proto Man and sent him after Wily, and then Wily corrupted Proto Man and turned him into the like general of his army, the like commander of his forces, whatever whatever label they use. Um, and then you have like a whole other like generation of time. You have like a like a bunch of time passes in that window um, when Proto Man has already happened, but Light has not yet built Mega Man. Um, and I think that. I, like, really clearly imagine a story that takes place during that window when, you know, Mega Man is there heralding Wily's, like, super effective army, his dystopian army, and you have all of these robots doing all these hyper-specific tasks, and he has, um, like, occasionally a robot will rebel, right? Will, um, a light will make another, or light will, like, influence a, a soldier, or the programming will break, or something. So Wily has a task force of Maverick Hunters for that specific purpose, and you have, like, the R Act one and a half, or whatever it is that we have, R Act A, um, is about uh, uh, this one Maverick Hunter whose whole job is hunting people down, um, and he, like, goes to hunt this train robot who has abandoned his train work and isn't, like, doing anything wrong other than like, taking interest in things outside of the specific, like, functional aspects of his work. And when he's sent to, like, decommission him, suddenly Axel, like, has feelings about it and notices this robot, and it becomes our first Maverick Hunter to turn Maverick. And then somehow, like, like that's, like, <laughs> that's Act 1 of our Act 1 and a half, and then, like, Act 2 of our Act 1 and a half is Maverick, or is, is, is Axel, like, trying to betray Wily, trying to, like, start a new life, and then in some way that comes around and requires, like, both of them to die, or it requires him to kill um, the train robot to get what he wants, or something, you know, we, we find some way to make it into a Greek tragedy thing. That's a proto men story, right? Like that's that's what they would do with that. Yeah, that makes that makes that makes so much sense. Actually, yeah, yeah, and I don't know if the proto men would do this specifically, but if you are making it like a Greek tragedy, because one day we'll do happiness, this Stephen Sondheim act, and that movie is so inspired by the Greeks' concept of love. But if you're doing like a Greek love thing. Love is a madness. It is an affliction. And Axel has now been infected with the love virus and is going against his duty, his base programming, and that's why he now has to be decommissioned, right? Like, Absolutely. I yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's super proto men e, but that's definitely Greek tragedy e. Do, do you not feel like it's proto men I feel like it's proto men 
What is it missing to be proto mini, or what it what does it have that's too? What do we need to change? I just I don't know that proto men feel as cynical about love as the Greeks did. Um, to pull from that influence specifically, I think it makes sense for like what we've set up. I just don't know that they've. Unless you argue that like Doctor Light is in love with the cycle of creating robots who are sort of doomed to die in this war he must know is few is like feckless i want to say that we can i think we could do this story without making the argument that that axel has been stricken mad by love i think we can like maxel axel sees the light through love right axel has been has been working as an arm of dr wiley this whole time um you know he's been working under mega man and and it's through meeting, you know, train man. Yeah, um, like that. That's let me tell you right now, brother. That is the naming convention. There's train sword man. man. <laughs> Two of my favorites, sword man, who you might think was made to like do sword combat. No, 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 no. Sword man was made to hold Doctor Wily's sword. Amazing. So there's also <laughs> clown man, who's just a clown. So Axel meets Train Man, and Train Man is the first renegade that makes Axel, like, like, he doesn't try to fight Axel. He doesn't try to, like, make some big impassioned speech. He talks to him, and Axel finds that he likes it. And, and it's, like, through that, that, like, connection that Axel comes to, like, understand the truth about the thing that he's been doing in the world. The, like, evil that he's been an apparatus of. Okay, yeah, 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 you've sold me. You've sold me. Yeah, I, yeah, man, this is... Protoman, please rip us off. You're back. I missed you. (laughs) (laughs) We're good at this. We're so good at this. God, I fucking love the Protoman. Um, do you feel a need to, like, map out the specifics of the tragedy in a way that is not just, and then they die at the end? I do not, especially. This is not a full how we do. We're making an individual character here. We can assume that he, for some reason, comes to blows with Mega Man or something. Um, There's a tragedy. He makes decisions that doom himself and his lover, and it's all very sad. And, you know, we we could write that if we ever do a follow-up episode, I guess. Yeah, okay. Outside Um, the scope of this. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. This is more about Axel. Okay, so we've we we've set up like his big numbers. We gave him like the Act One, what the Act Two is, and you know you can fill in the blank. So we've got his big numbers. I don't know. We've kind of given vibe, and vibe can be a little looser because they're characters who just exist in between lyrics, and we've given kind of the arc that the vocals would take. What is it about Train Man that? that sways him like he's he's decommissioned a lot of renegade robots in the past there's something different about this one so like what is what is near and dear to his heart that a simple disobeying train robot could could get at it and how could it be like a part of his heart that he didn't even know about before i liked what you said about like train man doesn't try to fight back or make a big impulsion impassioned speech i think train man because if you're like a maverick hunter and that is your sole designation, just like not even a conscript in the army, just a cog in the machine and your function is only to go kill other things. 
I don't think people like you. I don't think Gutsman wants to talk to you. I don't think Wiley really wants to talk to you. I think you get assignments and that's kind of it. I think Trainman is the first person to treat Axel like a person. I think it's that simple. Shit. Do you think this means that he like has a like a rich inner life that he's aware of that he doesn't get to share at all? Or do you think it's like he's never even considered that he could be treated like a person? Yeah, I think Axel didn't even like stop to consider his wants. To peek the curtain behind with my own autistic brain, sometimes I will realize there is like a second option to approach this thing and it is a mini revelation every time I do that about anything. I think the moment Train Man just like stops and talks and like, hey, how's your day been? Like, can we have a conversation before you blow me away? It like rewires his brain circuitry. He's like, wait, I'm I'm people? Like, (laughs) I can have conversation? Okay, well then let me follow that up because I think that the implication that that makes there is that you know Axel has only ever been carrying a hammer his whole life every problem has only ever looked like nails to him this is the first time he's ever considered that something might not be a nail and so I think that his first his like first instinct on saying I don't want to be a part of this anymore I want to I want to not be this apparatus I want to be a person um would be to respond with violence, right? I think that it would it would be like, okay, I I don't want to be an apparatus of violence and in order to not be anymore, I'm going to commit violence against my like former employers, right? I'm going to and so I think that his first reaction, uh, does that seem crazy, would be to to just try to fight back against his old squad and like that maybe could be like the thing that sets him on the path to to doom is that they could have simply run away or they could have even tried train man's approach on on other people um but axel is never able to consider that because he's only ever been trained to respond to problems in one way and a single act of kindness is enough to change his like perspective on how he's supposed to be treated but it's not enough to give him an entire new skill set of how to address problems in his life he gets a motif reprise of Mega Man's running through the Battle Masters, but it is played as more tragic because it's not Axel running through the Battle Masters because this is an in-between. They still have to be here. It's Axel running through specifically his old squad of Maverick Hunters. Absolutely. We probably get some setup for them too. Oh, oh yeah, we do. And and like it's it's the I can't wait to do the Heather episodes, but it's like Train Man melts Axel's heart, and it like but because Axel now knows he's a person, you the audience now know that the Maverick Hunters he used to run with are people, and he is gunning them down. Jesus Christ! I think I think we made a Proto Man album. Proto Man album, yeah, that's a Proto Man character. Oh, I man, I. I didn't know how this episode was going to go other than recite lyrics and go, God damn it, they're good. But man, oh, fuck, dude. We did better than just recite lyrics and go, God damn it, they're good. We're better oh, than that. We're better than that. We're, we, 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 we can hold ourselves up to a standard and meet that standard. We probably wouldn't have been better than that two months into doing the podcast, but it's been like two years now and we're better than that at this point.
Yeah, this was definitely, definitely a good one to hold off on. <laughs> are we at one fun fact apiece? I believe we are at one fun fact apiece. So the Proto Men have done collaborations before. Check out Phantom Racer from Tupperware Remix Party. And uh, again, check out Together Through Time for Tupperware Remix Party. I'll Take Care of You is one of my favorite. Is It was a song I had like for a relationship. Like That was the, the theme of our song. But um, Life Party is just one of my favorite songs of all time. And I think Train Man's big Just Like I Talk to You Like a Person song isn't written by the Proto Men. I think Twerp Come On because they're better at writing like happy love songs and this doesn't need to be necessarily like super big lovey dovey but the point of like life party is just like life if you choose to let it be a party can be you just have to choose to be nice to each other we can make this a party if we just actively choose to be nice and i think that sort of messaging is something twerp could bring super hard and i think that's their one spot on this album they cover the train man song I think so we talked a little bit about um how act one is this very crunchy sound it's a lot of like very heavy guitars and like chip tune that is recorded analog which is like a very weird sound and then how act two because it's a, a prequel and it's before everything went wrong um is like this much cleaner more produced sound and because this is like post act two, it seems to me like it would have some, some of that grungy sound to it. I think that, um, I think that Axel's music is largely digital and he lives in like a very digital world. And so they lean really heavy on the chip tune for the first part of his, uh, his story. And then as he, like after he meets Train Man, when the cracks begin to form in his armor, um, you, you start hearing a lot more analog and even like motifs that showed up earlier, um, come back in more analog ways and like it's it's like a connection to like the real world that he develops yeah this is good man i miss doing this i'm so happy we have this project man it's a good podcast <laughs> it's a good 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 podcast and good now podcast. that we, now we both have mics it's even better <laughs> now that mike not failing podcast now even that mike better. not failing sign-offs at the end. Ah, who goes first? I think I go first. Amber, join us next week, audience. Lovely, lovely, beautiful audience. Who have I missed? I've missed all 12 of you. Love you today. <laughs> join us next week when Amber tries in vain to get us to talk about Gem and the Holograms. But actually, we're going to be going back somewhere. Somewhere pretty familiar. We're going to be doing that third Pathfinder installment. Oh, goody. I, the, the, the long teased one, one of our, one of our longest running franchises at this point. <laughs> um, uh, thank you all for listening. My name has been Amber Autumn. She, her. I've been Prince Devin. He, him. Our music is by Kyla Alicia, whose work you can find at hollowrip.bandcamp.com. Um, uh, please, uh, feel free to drop us a like, drop us a comment, drop us a review and head, check out our Patreon and head by our merch store um, where we will be selling uh, vinyl copies of the Streets of Fire soundtrack. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's just the cover to act too. You should listen to it. It's really good too. I will. Is, is it available? You know, this is a cover. Uh, goodbye everyone. <laughs> Bye.